you have found number one, the first spiritual law. And it's number one for a couple of reasons. Number one, it was the first one chronologically. This was the first one I ever got and wrote it down on the day that my oldest son, Harry, was born. And he's 27 years old now. Uh, I'd been praying about it for a long, long time uh, I, because I knew I needed guidance, wisdom. Uh, I was trying to do the right things in my life, but they had not worked very well when I did what the so-called experts said. And then on the day of my son's birth came the first spiritual law. Um, just, just to remind you kind of about that, well, well, before I go there, let me, let me make sure you understand. This first spiritual law, uh, I've called a number of things over the years. I started out calling it the greatest principle. Uh, and then I, when I wrote it into a book, uh, it came out in Beyond Willpower as a book. It also came out as the love code in some other countries and things. Uh, but I've, uh, I'd always called it, before writing the book, The Greatest Principle. The publishers didn't like my name very much, so um, we went with, with those. But I still think of it as The Greatest Principle. So, uh, on the day of my son's birth, I'm just going to make this real short because this was also in the foundational material. My son is born, who we've been so excited about, and all of a sudden this wave of panic sweeps over me. I can't do this. I don't know how to do this. And then I heard a voice in my head that was uh, uh, that said two things. Number one, if you can as a dad, get Harry to his 18th birthday and he's still physically alive, number one. And number two, he gets to 18 and he knows 100% beyond any shadow of a doubt that he is totally, completely loved with no strings attached, just the way he is. Those two things. The voice said, you'll have done okay. And then I kind of relaxed. Ah, oh, okay. Maybe... Maybe I can do that. And then uh, just hours after that came the first of the spiritual laws of nature. Now this first one is teaching is pretty long. So it'll probably be two or three segments, possibly even four. Uh, I'll tell you when it's over, of course, and I'll announce the start of the second one. But um, I will tell you, I have never seen anyone understand, commit to, and daily apply the greatest principle that it did not transform their life. I've never seen that. Not once. Now, I've seen all kinds of, uh, on a continuum, from transforming them significantly to over here like a miracle and everything in between. But I have never seen anyone commit it to their daily life and not see a significant positive change in virtually everything in their life. Uh, I believe in some ways it's the key to all things. Um, there's really nothing that it does not apply to. 
uh, when I start at, after the greatest principle, when I start on principles number two, three, four, five, six, etc., some of those spiritual laws will apply to some people but not all people, some situations but not all situations. This one applies to all people, all situations. And what I found in my practice is that typically for any one person, there's about five to 12 spiritual laws that sort of form a complete whole for that person. Now another person will need five to 12 maybe different spiritual laws for their life and their situation. And we'll be talking as we go through them about who this one is for and who this one is for and what kind of situations this one is for. Uh, don't worry about that. We'll flesh all of that out. But the basic idea here is that just like there's gravity, just like there's inertia, and you cannot break those natural laws and get away with it without some consequence, you cannot violate the spiritual laws and get away with it either. Now, the results may not happen as quickly if you jump off the top of a building trying to violate gravity like I did after I saw Mary Poppins at the movie and then I went on our roof with an umbrella and jumped off. Yes, I really did that and amazingly I wasn't hurt, okay, but just like if you violate the laws of nature, you pay the price if you violate these spiritual laws, you are going to pay the price. Period. 100%. Can't get away with it. But it won't be like jumping off a roof where you break your arm or leg or something like that. It may happen slower. But if anything, the results of violating the spiritual laws are much worse than violating the physical laws. And that's what I'd like you to think about because most of these physical laws you'd never violate. You'd never go up on a 30-story building and, and jump off saying I'm going to violate the law of gravity. I'm going to override the law of gravity so that I won't be hurt. Now maybe if you were insane you would do that, but a sane person would never do that. But yet we violate these spiritual laws of nature every day. And somehow, because maybe we don't see instant negative results, we think we're getting away with it. But we're not. It's hurting our health, our career, our relationships, our happiness. It's hurting everything in our life. And, and we will feel it, the results and repercussions of that later at some point. And some people feel it immediately in the form of guilt, shame, stress, anxiety, things like that. But anyway, welcome to the spiritual laws. Okay, uh, the greatest principle. Obviously you have a, a peek into the side of, into, inside of my brain when you see the greatest principle because that tells you what I think about it, all right, which may seem hyperbole or like an exaggeration to you. I totally understand that. 
But I, be, I, I believe and I hope that after sharing the greatest principle with you, you'll no longer feel that way. You'll feel like, yes, this is something I need in my life. And I believe everyone does. Okay? I used to tell clients, um, well, a, a, a couple of different things. I kind of specialized in marriage counseling, relationship counseling, when I did counseling and therapy. And especially if I was doing a couple or marriage counseling or something like that, I would always teach them the greatest principle. And I used to say to them after the fact and think to myself before the fact, if I can get one of them, I'll get both of them. The reason someone who is truly living this, what I'm about to share with you, which I believe is probably one person in a hundred, one in a thousand maybe, just naturally, yeah, I've, they do exist. I've seen a couple, but very rare. I wasn't one of them. Hope wasn't one of them. Neither one of my boys were one of them. So, lit, making a decision to live it, is what virtually all of us have to do. And the tragedy is that most of the experts teach the opposite of the greatest principle. So in fact, they're teaching us how to fail, how to be unhappy, how to have health problems. Now, they don't know they're doing that, and, and most of them, if I ask them that, they would be appalled. and They honestly believe that what they're teaching is the way to become successful. I'm going to try to prove to you in just a few minutes that that's not true. It, it, it's the way to fail your health problems and unhappiness. Okay? So, I would probably say that if you don't already know it, this is the most important thing you could ever learn or find out about yourself, the world, your family, your hopes and dreams and ambitions, your life. Now, you tell me if that's true after I'm done sharing. Okay? All right. So, let's get into it. What do you want right now more than anything else? Okay, but don't answer that yet. How you answer this question will show me, if we were to talk, and will show you in your own mind and heart whether you are living right now the greatest principle or whether you're not. Okay, so this is a critical question. What do you want right now more than anything else? But, again, don't answer it yet. Let me give you an, an analogy, a metaphor of how to answer this question because it's so important that you answer it truthfully. Alright? Um, are you familiar with the children's bedtime story, Aladdin? I hope so. That was one of my favorite stories growing up. I can remember my mom and dad 
uh, sitting on the edge of my bed, reading it to me at night, and I would say, read it again, read it again. And, and even during the daytime sometimes, when I didn't have anything else to do, I'd wander around the yard imagining that I was Aladdin and what I would wish for, even to the point that I went up in the attic and found an old uh, lamp or something like that of my mom's that looked closer to this than anything else I could find. It didn't look, it did not look like that or close to it, but it was the closest thing I could find. And I would start carrying that around the yard and even the neighborhood and think of that Aladdin story and pretend that I'm rubbing the lamp and the genie coming out and what I would wish for and how that would, oh, make my life just perfect, okay? It was a lot of fun, especially for a little kid, just, you know, imagining, which I'm all for in kids and adults as well. <clears throat> well, I'd like you to imagine, not yet, but when I tell you to in a few minutes, this scenario. You are in the room you're in right now, or, or some private, quiet room that you have access to, okay? And the doors are closed, the shades are pulled down on the windows, no one can get in or out, and no one but you will ever know what happened in that room, okay? No one will ever know. And in that room, as you're relaxing, all of a sudden, Aladdin's genie appears to you. Okay? And the genie says, I will grant you one wish. You can, you can wish for almost anything. You cannot wish for more wishes and typically, you can't wish for something that, take, that would take away someone else's free will. There might be an exception to, to, or two to that one, but in general, you, you can't make a wish that will take away someone else's free will. But anything else, you wish for it, you got it. A billion euros or, or dollars or marks or yen or whatever it is, the equivalent of a billion dollars in your bank account. You make the wish and you immediately go to your thing and check your account. Oh, I can't believe it! Speechless! I've got a billion dollars! I'm a billionaire! Okay? You wish for that, whoosh, you got it. Some health problem to go away or to never get. Whoosh. Done. Some uh, to be a uh, world famous singer or performer and everything that goes with that. Pow. You got it. Alright. So you get the idea. Just about anything except those two things you can wish for and you got it. The genie continues. This is the only opportunity for this you will have in your lifetime. You will never have another chance to do this. This is it. And lastly, if you don't make your wish in 10 seconds, you lose it forever. 
So, you don't have time to call anybody, don't have time to Google anything. You've just got to decide straight off the cuff right now what's the wish. All right? You got that? Understand the instructions? Okay, I don't want you to do it just yet. In a few minutes, I'll say, okay, let's do it and find out what that thing is for you that is either allowing you to live in harmony with the spiritual laws the way you are right now, or you're living in disharmony with them, like jumping off the building, trying to defy gravity. And it is and will continue to cause problems in your life. Not just non-physical problems, health problems as well. Okay? But don't go there yet. Let me lay some groundwork. <clears throat> Here's where I'd like to start. What is your definition of success and happiness? Okay? In fact, I would encourage you to pause this recording, maybe, or remind yourself, write it down right now to remind yourself to do it later. But I would literally think about this to the point that you can distill it down to uh, one paragraph at the most, one sentence at the best. What is your definition of success and happiness? So that's what I'd like you to write down. Secondly, I'd like you to write down how, uh, based on the way you have been living, what's your definition of success and happiness? Which can be very, very different. I mean, lots of people say, well, my definition of success and happiness is I'm great with all my family, uh, we all love each other, and everybody's healthy and happy, and everything is great, and my career's going well enough that we don't have to worry about money. You know, things like that, okay? But then when you look at how they're actually living, they give those things very little, sometimes almost no attention. So the second question I'm asking is based on what you are literally living and doing, what would someone say might be your definition of success and happiness? And for most of us, I'll give you a hint. It was for me. It's physical and external circumstances. Okay? The way most of us live, you would say that was our priority, even though that might not be what we answer. But, but, I would answer both of those. And what is your definition of success and happiness? Really? And are you living that or are you living another definition? Okay? So either pause this and go make a note of that or just make a note to do it later. Either one is fine. Okay. <clears throat> now, here's why I ask you that question. What's your definition of success and happiness as well as failure and unhappiness? Okay? Because... What I have found is that about 999 out of 1,000 people, and I've traveled all over the world to figure this out, I guess you might say, about 999 out of 1,000 people have, as the way they're living, the definition of success and happiness that leads to failure. 
not to success. In fact, that's why they're failing, having health problems most of the time, etc., and not succeeding. How do we know that? Because when people change paths to the right path, the success path, the laws of nature in harmony with the laws of nature instead of violating them path, their health, happiness, and everything else gets better every single time.